It's episode 137 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Monica Azdarska. Yes. Was that correct? Yes, it is. Monica Azdarska. Brilliant, thank you very much. (laughs) How are you? Fine, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. So you've recently returned from the May Day's Osho Lila retreat. Yes. Tell me all about that. Uh, that's a lovely experience. Uh, it's a three and a half uh, days of uh, working together on, uh, on improv. And um, May Day's have two retreats during the year. One is uh, uh, in September and uh, one in March. March is intense and uh, advanced. Which means uh, it's intense or it's intensive. Intensive and intense as well, well yeah, because just... it's a lot of people and <laughs> uh, a lot of things happening. Um, so on this intensive, uh, the differences with uh, with the September one that there is a class where everyone is in the morning in one group of people for the whole four mornings. So we work on one thing together as a group and then we perform together at the end, kind of showcase. So it's process of the group. That's interesting. So I've been to the September one. Yeah. And there was the queuing up in the morning to get the particular class that you wanted. Exactly. Which I personally quite enjoyed the uh, queuing process, but then I... I am British, and that's. Uh, but there's the something changed. There is a new application. What? What? And there was what? no queuing this time. What? We could sleep one hour longer. No. <laughs> yes. How did the new system work? I'm shocked and disgusted and appalled. Yeah, it's very nice because uh, the workshops were described like uh, the afternoon workshops, where you choose from uh, many workshops which Maydays prepare for afternoons. Um, then um, there is an application, uh, and every evening, like it was in September, Maydays introduces classes for the next day. And yeah. then next day, in the morning, you have time up to 12, uh, 2 o'clock to sign up online. No! Oh, <laughs> ruined. Improv is ruined. Yeah, the queuing improv is, is ruined. <laughs> but yeah, so, so uh, it gave a different flavor. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool and nice, and we it was more relaxed. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, uh, I just, yeah, I think I just liked having chats with people while we sat in a corridor. I don't know. Oh that, yeah, don't know what that tells or you. Playing about games me. like we used to do. It's sitting in the corridor and playing games. <laughs> um, so it's interesting with the uh, the intensive um, major retreat that you're in teams. How did that feel? Uh, I have to say that I really like it and I really enjoyed it because um, there's something which all group works together for longer time than three hours workshop. So, uh, and uh, Maydays run it really nicely that at the beginning is like knowing each other, what we need, how we feel about it, what we will work on. And during the week, uh, groups ca- group comes come together yeah, yeah, yeah. we get to know each other we know how we play uh what we are good at what it needs to be uh done and performing then together it's really nice just doing something which we discover during the week so it's really nice process uh, of uh exploring and doing workshops that that way yeah so what sort of subjects did you cover 
Actually, this time we really worked on point of views and techniques uh, which brings in uh, on the higher level. Um, and this was really exciting because there were things we knew before, but there were things we wanted to uh, to, to deepen and, and things which, which uh, teachers saw that we need to focus on. So in the end, um, very nice process of the whole group and also teachers. Yeah. yeah, it must be interesting to yeah, be working with the same people yeah. continually. And the idea was that the, 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 the teachers we had uh, as a head of the, uh, our teaching process was uh, Jules. And he, uh, he was in our first class and in our last class. Uh, and in between we had Liz and Jenny. Um, but they discussed what the group needs, so we could we could work with different teachers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all co cooperated uh, yeah. how to make the class that this is like one piece. So this is also very nice that we work uh, not only with one teacher. We have chance to explore other uh, my days teachers. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you learn about point of view? Is point of view a way in which you think when you're improvising? Yes, and especially lately, uh, it's it's a kind of a discovery I made uh, last year. That for me, it's like uh, one of the most important things which has to happen in the scene. Uh, so, if the if the point of view is lost, uh, then the scene doesn't work so so good. Um, and finding how it works, where it works, which way. To bring it uh, and what it means is quite interesting. So we we try that and also a little bit wider things like how to bring uh, things up again and make callouts. How you, that's how callbacks. Callbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Callbacks. Um, uh, so like make it into the long form. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. And because uh, there are other workshops, and I choose, choose some other workshops. Um... I want to talk about the other workshops. Yep. Just want to talk a little bit more about point of view first. Yeah. So how would you, I mean, how would you define what having a point of view is in improv? It is something what the character wants or doesn't want to do or feels something about something or the the other person making this, this more personal. Uh, but I can imagine this on different levels. You can think very widely, like you like ecology and uh, animals and you don't eat meat and this is your point of view. But it can be very simple, like I want to do something right now uh, or I like somebody. And then it makes a tension with the other character, right. which has their own point of view. If the points of view are the same, then we have probably lovely scene, but they still can be different on something. If points of view are very different, uh, it's very funny for comedy. It's yeah. a good good for comedy or for drama as well, because people have different opinions and they can chat about it or nicely argue, argue or uh, argue, which yeah. which is not maybe the best, but uh, so-called conflict, which is uh, which is difficult. Uh, subjects in improv and uh, pops up yes. all the time uh, so someone might have a point of view and it's a sort of a filter through which they see the world yes so they might be uh, really into ecology and you know conservation and that sort of thing and the scene might not be about that but the, whatever the conversation is about would be seen through the, that sort of filter yeah so is it is there a way of just 
did you just choose a point of view when you went to a scene? Or? You know, for me, it best probably would be discover it, you know, because this is what we are doing. But of course, sometimes you just have it because the intention you go into scene just shows you where to go. Or you can make it if you don't have it. You can, but but I think the best way is just to discover where is the point of view of your character. Uh, sometimes you just discover it in opposition to to your partner, right. the, uh, because then you know what what the game or what you're playing. And uh, uh, yeah, it's good to have a slightly different points of view or very different yeah. to make attention in the scene that it works. Uh, that it works. Brilliant. And you, you mentioned you did some other workshops as well. What were they? Uh, the Mayday's Retreat has this advantage that has many different uh, possibilities. You can take workshops which are more musical or more uh, about the building the scene or characters or uh, some very specific uh, skills like playing uh, Shakespeare or something like that. So it gives a, a big variety of, of possibilities. And uh, I chose uh, some workshops which were very close to what we did in the morning. So it were very close to point of view and working on that. So it gave me really big uh, overview after one week. Uh, uh, great experience to have so many uh, workshops on one subject. Yes, yes. I sometimes don't know whether to choose a workshop that chimes with things I'm already interested in or whether to just experiment and do something that I know nothing about. Mm -hmm. I tend have started to tend to favour the latter just, you know, because it's good to try new things. Yeah, I agree. And I did a lot of that uh, during other festivals I take. Um, I, I, I travel to and um, my experience and my my way which came just from doing more and more is that i found things which i i'm conscious i know i i need this or that then i follow my uh, my aim uh, and in the same time uh, i pick up some workshops which are completely new so i try to uh, combine both of these ways so yeah. if i see that for example like a few years ago i felt like i want to explore more agreeing what it means how people teach it what what i need as an improviser from that point of view of how to agree to things and then when i went to festival i chose um, two workshops on the same festival from two different teachers about that subject and it was really interesting to see how uh, differently you can teach yes. what is the approach of the teacher how much they speak or they don't speak how much they allow us to practice <laughs> you know all these things it's very yeah. interesting when you see the same subject uh, which you have on the plate from two different restaurants and and this is really great experience to 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 touch yes i i find that very interesting the different approaches um from teachers some of who do a lot of talking and you get little time to practice, but maybe you get the ideas and then you can take them away and practice them elsewhere. Or there are other people who think you should be doing, you should be learning by doing. And I mm -hmm. find that very interesting, sort of two different approaches. Exactly. I, when I'm leading things, I try and get people to do more 
than talk um, because I feel that if people are interested they can research the subject in books and but having the chance to actually try the things I think that's important to me in workshops. And for me as experience as well I prefer workshops where I'm doing uh, than listening. Yes the exception being I did a Dave Rosowski session where we did one scene but he broke it down so expertly I got so much out of that that actually it was all fine but yeah oh yeah but there is a talking about scene and putting this into small pieces and there is a talking about you know books and ideas and and some teachers allowed students to talk too much and and you know and then you spend half an hour how this would be if something else happened or whatever and and uh, this talking when what what you are saying it's really interesting it's really learning yeah so i don't mind that yeah it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one. So you go to lots of improv festivals? Pretty a lot. <laughs> Pretty a lot, okay. Um, why? why? What do you get out of it? Wow. Oh, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. <laughs> knowledge and practising. Um, and fun, of course, because festivals is meeting, uh, it means to meet a lot of people we, we met before, new friends and... and uh, uh, I find festivals very um, in inspiring uh, because you can see a lot of shows and uh, see how people do things differently, how inspire inspiring this can be when in, in set of like in, in four days you see 20 shows and each of them is very, very different from the others. Yeah. And of course it depends on the organizers, what how, how they... Uh, think about the festival, who they want to invite for, for performing. But the main idea I find, uh, I see now in the festivals is to have a big variety of different mm. teams or not even teams. If they have team where it's 10 people of seven, they also tend to have like solo shows that, yeah. that it's really interesting to see the variety of, of, of things happening there. That's something that I'm really interested in at the moment is exploring yeah, the variety of different things that you can do with improv. Um, and it's fine for people to do Harold's or whatever, mm -hmm. but I don't just want to see one particular style of improv. I think there are so many different things you can do. Exactly. So many different influences that you can pull in from dance, from theatre, into your improv. That Yeah. yeah it sounds like a really inspirational thing to be able to see lots of different acts from different places. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is for me one of the reasons. And the other, of course, is because on the festivals you have uh, also lots of uh, teachers coming from different places all over the world, all continents, and yeah, to learn from different sources, not from especially that in Warsaw or in Europe there is no like one school and and one place where you go you have five years university. And, and afterwards you are a master degree with something like improv. So you have to find out different ways, different teachers, the ways you like to be taught and people who you, you like as a teacher as well. Yeah. And also experiencing different points of view of, of different ways of teaching is also very interesting. Uh, that's what we discussed. You like it or not, but also to see one thing showed um from different 
uh, angles. Yes. I know that when I'm in a class, because I do some teaching, I'm enjoying it on two levels. One, I might be enjoying the improv that we're learning, but I'm also watching how the teacher operates mm-hmm. because I'm hoping to learn from both the improv that they're teaching but also their teaching style. Yeah. You know. Oh, teaching style is really interesting subject because teachers really teach teach very differently and some are very nice, kind, soft, some are uh, harder, tougher, um, shouting sometimes. Uh, and I see people, they like or not and they are fans uh, of the teachers yes <laughs> and and uh, and people who don't like some kind of style of teaching so yeah it's also interesting what's your favorite style of teaching Ooh. I you know I I don't mind in some if somebody is like um, sweet and nice or is shouting in case if this is meant like I want to teach you something but I mind in case of if the time I had in class is used properly, uh, I mean, like, we had enough time to explore, we had time to experience something. If it was expe- if it was explained the way we we understood, yeah, I think that I, I like coach coaching because this is this is actually something which is difficult to find on on the festivals. Yeah, and and this this is kind of. Um, challenge to find the teachers which are coaching and especially on the festivals there is not many classes like that what do you mean by coaching uh, side coaching, right. side coaching. Oh, yeah, yeah. so side coaching is is kind of um thing which is very helpful to experience and you really learn much quicker and faster when when you side coached but it's quite rare very interesting it's interesting, yeah? Isn't yeah. It? Because I, I learned most of the things I know, I learned from side coaching. Yeah, yeah, because there's different schools of thought. Some people think side coaching is helpful. Some people prefer to wait till the end and give notes at the end. I can see the, the advantage of side coaching to me is the fact that you get the piece of advice and then you immediately get a chance to put that advice yeah. into practice. And I think that's really powerful. It's not, not If you get a note... But then you don't get a chance to put that note into action. It just goes, and you don't really learn from it. I don't think. Yeah, and in that case, I agree that of course, if there is no side coaching, but you're still at the end of the class, you're doing uh, scenes and you use what you learned, uh, then still you learn more than like just doing exercises because sometimes it's like there is an exercise or group exercise. There, maybe it's for something, but you haven't. So you learn the exercise. But you don't really learn to make a scene using the skill at the end. So this this is one of the things sometimes which I am missing. That there, if if there is a class which is full of exercises, different exercises on different may, maybe similar topic, but sometimes they mixed, and then at the end of the class there is no no time to practice this or see how it works. Yeah. Then it's just like, uh, you know, you buy a book, you read the exercise and you maybe do it and then still you don't know. I mean, of course you need to practice, but this part of, uh, of uh, in the workshop sometimes I miss. Uh, and and make it wider than side coaching is a bigger, like, bigger, bigger, um, yeah, it's advantage if it's on top of it, there is side coaching. Mm. 
I find it interesting then. Yeah. So tell me about the improv scene in Warsaw. Oh, it's uh, it's pretty growing now. Um, I guess it's around 12, 13 years old in general, maybe a bit longer, um, but uh, let's say above 10 years. And since five years, it's uh, exploding. Uh, we have three general places, uh, major places for improv in Warsaw, uh, which is uh, Comedy Club, Resort Comedy, and Spudzielnia Komediowa. And these three places uh, have improv shows and yeah, and improvise, improvisers meet there to perform, to, to exchange and to do something. So it's really, it's pretty... And yeah, Warsaw and in general, um, Poland is growing. We have uh, some new uh, new places which which uh, uh, now popping up. But uh, Gdańsk, Wrocław, Kraków—these are places where the groups are really performing ten or more than ten years. Yeah, uh, over ten years for sure. And yeah. And is it more short form or is it more long form? I would say that long form, uh, which is. Yes, I, I would say it's surprising because normally when I talk to people, most of the places like in Italy, in Bologna or somewhere, you know, the comedy sports were brought and it started all from the short forms. Yeah. And I have a feeling that uh, quite quickly in Poland, it it went to kind of longish form, like Armando, or Harold. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And you... Uh, in a group called Bez Klepki? Yes. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? Bez Klepki. Yes. Uh, tell me about that. Uh, we were um, we are the group of people who attended the the one of the first workshops or the fir- we were the first group which was in the Harold group uh, in Warsaw, taught by Michał Sufin, who was our first teacher for two years, and uh, he and his group. Klancyk went to States, they brought Harold to Poland and to Warsaw and and me and Besklepki were the first group which were taught uh, by them, or by Michał uh, Harold. That's how we started, we met uh, randomly on the workshop, so just, just a few people came, then the group was 16 people and afterwards we just uh, became a group. Some people left, of course, yeah. and uh, group has changed the, during the years. Uh, and from 16, we are now seven, uh, seven, eight, and yeah. And what sort of things do you perform now? Armandish things. Sometimes. Oh, Armandish. Armandish. So Explain let's what say, you mean by yeah, that. Let's say we, we play Armando, which which uh, which is uh, sometimes Harold, but not not uh, not too often last lately. But yeah, uh, Armando, which is which is uh, our main main thing. So not really long form, like in in case of making one one hour story, uh, rather uh, montage and short things. So an Armando is how how do you do an Armando? We used to have some inspiration. Like original Armando is a monologue, then is a bunch of scenes with uh, with uh, montage and tag outs and then you have another monologue and again scenes and the closing monologue what uh, what we do is we take inspirations which 
are connected to theme which we uh, which is the subject which we we choose for the day so right. so it can be uh, inspirations from audience can be a guest who comes and tells something uh, about their hobby or job they do uh, can be inspirations from books or from other resources which we find interesting or we want to surprise audience that we take those but in in the end this is a bunch of scenes and what is it about that form that you like um kind of speed and energy i think uh yeah, I think this is the main thing. Or that it can be serious and silly in the same time. Or yeah, if it has good rhythm, it can have both. So uh, yeah, I think that. And when, so you've if you've got a guest coming in and doing a monologue mm-hmm. to inspire you, and you're on the side listening to the monologue, how do you? Can you explain your sort of process of going? Oh, how do you find the shiny things that you're going to then bring into a scene? Um, I find it quite difficult because I think that monologues and all like this um, Armando inspirations, they are quite difficult because they take our brain out of the present. So I find it quite difficult uh, for myself. I, I remember... Uh, the, just after monologue, I remember a few things and I use them rather then and then I try not to think in general till the end because I'm, then I'm not present with my partner. So, so when I'm in the scene and I'm starting to think, what was the monologue about? Yeah. Then I'm, you know, I can't be with my partner I'm, yeah. anymore. And I found out this is very difficult. So I prefer to be out of subject a little bit or inspired. So... When I go just after monologue, I take direct inspiration, which was there like, um, you know, word or phrase or something, which gives me something. Or in general atmosphere, you know, I like this atmosphere. Like if somebody tells something about relationship or uh, holidays and, you know, it was nice or bad or good. I try to take this like in general idea. If, there is something specific. I try to take this specific, turn it around a little bit and then bring it not directly the same thing into the scene. And later on, as it goes, scene by scene, I really try to like attach to the last scene or something or general right. thing. Yeah. Otherwise, my brain is somewhere else and I found it very difficult to be with my partner when I think what should be done now to fulfill the idea uh, of of inspiration and i heard it from many teachers and i really agreed and i it then this is my uh, internal feeling that inspiration is like i don't need an inspiration you know yes. inspiration is only for proving to the audience that yes. we are improvising yes and this is as old as all Viola and Keith Johnston's all this stuff, they all told this and said this and and um, I have my partner and I'm inspired by my partner if I'm there and I don't need any anything and if I take inspiration it's just my uh, bowing to audience yeah. that they trust us or they believe or they have found that they said something which was used 
and they could feel that this is uh, influencing our show. But on the other hand, we don't, we, yeah, we don't need to satisfy our audience by that. We are taught to do it and we think it's needed. But my feeling is like we really don't, you know, like uh, if the show is good, yes. if there's good improv yes. and people are laughing or just like, you know, enjoying and, and um, sometimes maybe laughing, sometimes maybe there's something deep what happened. Uh, emotional, uh, something which gives them something to think. Yeah. They will come back and they will like it. They will not think, oh, they use that. Sometimes, of course, they, they do. But but I think if they enjoy, and if it's good improv, they will yeah. be back. Yes, it's much better that you do a good improv show than you, you know, uh, spend a lot of time showing that you've used the suggestions exactly. inspiration. I know that whenever I... Um, I, I tend instantly to forget what the suggestion from the audience was as soon as I stand on stage anyway. <laughs> um, so for me, there's actually not much point getting a suggestion. What I really want to do, and I haven't quite got there yet, but it's something that I covered when I did a Showstoppers course. And they said um, that if you take a suggestion and you use it in the first scene, okay, that's fine. But what's really good is if you can take the suggestion, remember it, hold on to it, and then bring it in in the last scene. Yeah. Specifically, if you can bring in the title from the beginning and you can use it in the last song, yeah. um, then that's the wow moment. That's, yes, that's advanced absolutely. Stuff. But as I forget it instantly as soon as I step on stage, I haven't got to that stage yet, but that's what I'd like to be able to do. I, I, I know that feeling. And... Uh... I agree. If you're able to remember, and I know people who really remember a lot uh, what happened in the monologue during the whole show, and they can bring these things uh, really uh, into the show, that's great. But if this takes me out of yeah. uh, here and now, yeah. I prefer not to do it than just mess up with my brain yeah yeah you've got to get the show good but once you've got the show good or you've got good at the show it's it's the added icing on the cake yeah. that you know that sort of thing and the other thing we we discussed this in the mayday's retreat uh, this week and uh, it's a kind of flow and thing which comes with experience yeah. when you stop doing improv under a kind of pressure uh, after a while, when you're more relaxed on the on the stage, these things coming to you, you know, because it's just oh, it was about that. Okay, yeah. Now I can bring it. Yeah. Um, so I also get it by experience now that you know I was stressed. We were like we wanted always to bring this back, and it it really was hard. And once you start to um, put this aside, you're like. Okay, if it comes, it comes, but not st stress yourself that you have to. Yes. Then when you calm down, then there is this light moment when it comes. And this is so beautiful because then it surprises you, surprises yes. you as an improviser. This is really beautiful. And or your partner or whatever. And it's really beautiful then. Yes, I had that experience. I was doing a show with the old Bill, the improvised post-Brexit police drama. And at the beginning, we got suggestions as to how the murder had been committed mm -hmm. and somebody had been drowned in a bowl of custard. And 
you know, the show went on, we investigated the crime, we found out who the murderer was, and then I walked across the stage, and as I walked across the stage, it just fell into my head that I should go, we're taking you into custody. <laughs> um, and then it was like, I hadn't planned that, I hadn't even planned that when I started walking across the stage, but it's just like, okay, I've done a pun, and I've connected back what the suggestion was. It's like, but you know, but I hadn't been trying to do that at all it just been I was in a relaxed state and yeah. then just sort of it just fell out like that so it was really good fun yeah and I, I heard uh, also some discussions about you know the, there are these uh, ways of doing uh, long form so you can follow the hero story or uh, character arc or whatever different people different teachers uh, different ideas of bringing the story into uh, theater or film uh, and how to do it and then if you if you do this i i talked uh, once to to um, uh, party styles about it and it's interesting because of course it's good to know these ideas but again if you think from the beginning where the character sto- story should go yeah then you are not here and now yeah and and the idea of um, uh, the uh, party style shirt, she said, I, I follow here and now and the character will go somewhere when I know that I want to bring more and more with that. Then to think, okay, okay, we are in that moment of the story, then we need to do this and then we need to do that. Then again, you take yourself out of yeah. being present. Yeah. And it helps to know this um, storylines yeah. and uh, character arc. Because it can, again, unconsciously, yes. it can bring you somewhere. Yeah. But if during uh, the process you think hardly about that, yeah. uh, then it, it really takes you out of being here and now and you don't listen to your partner anymore. So something happens and you are completely in a different place. Yes, it's, it's, like, it's like muscle memory, but it's yeah. sort of story memory. Yeah. If you have that structure and you just internalize it, it will naturally come out of you but if you're on stage trying to go okay so we've done you know the call to action and we've done the refusal to you know and all that sort of business yeah you're not listening you're not in the moment you're not in the story yeah essentially. yeah so so i understand this more and more when i do more improv and i feel it more and then i i also feel because of that i feel more relaxed because i i really see now like okay i don't need to know where where my character will go or you know you never let's say you never have to know but sometimes you have this feeling okay it goes this direction so you start to go and plan but it's not like that because in one second it can turn the other direction yeah so you just have to be ready for it and then it really took a lot of uh, pressure from my back Uh, so yeah enjoying this idea yes and you, you need to be listening and reacting to the last thing your scene part said rather than yes, being two absolutely. or three steps ahead and exactly. know, trying to work out. Yes. If you want to do that, be a novelist because mm. then you're in charge. But yeah. yes, otherwise, yeah, you can plan ahead, but then you don't get to do that. And it's like, well, that's frustrating. Well, you know, that's improv. <laughs> <laughs> so you're somebody that takes a lot of inspiration from improv books. Is that correct? As well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I to take inspiration from actually everything. Uh, right, yes, excellent. Tell me about everything. <laughs> everything. Everything is. Everything. <laughs> what is everything? Oh, yeah. Watching watching people playing, my friends, or, or just 
people playing, from teachers uh, and the playing and the ideas and the approach. So and when you're watching friends playing, how are you learning from that? I I learn, for example, if I see something I really like, I think how. I can teach myself doing this or what I can take from what they're doing. Yes. And the same from teachers. If I see teachers doing this or that, you know, being physical, being um, more drama or, or let's say uh, acting skills, let's say like that, uh, because I don't want to divide drama or comedy or whatever, um, then I this inspires me and I think how to get to the point that this is that good you know so i take inspirations from from people i watch i know that um if i'm not uh usually in a workshop or sometimes on stage if i'm not quite in the right place i might try and pretend i'm a different member of the maydays and try <laughs> and pretend i am them doing the workshop or doing the show and that mm -hmm. usually helps me Oh. I'm not saying it's an accurate representation, <laughs> but um, I sort of see them as gods, um, and they each have characteristics, and I try. Oh, they to, do. They I do. try and embody those characteristics, and so uh, yeah, it's um, my my representations are never um, accurate enough, so anyone could tell that I was being anyone in particular. But it just helps me just yeah. get into the zone a little bit. And it's interesting what you said about watching people perform, because I can enjoy kind of the story they're telling and what they're doing but on the other hand I've got another part of my brain going oh yes I see what you did there that was very good I like that yeah and I can try and mm -hmm. incorporate that into what I do and things like that so, yes. yeah and, and also I have exercises and things I like or work more for me and the other is not so and I've I found out this is interesting thing you know teachers are teaching but normally or quite often they do not go so much anymore to others you know they don't they uh, are not taught anymore right yes. so what they have they have an experience and uh, exercises they like they work for them or they they made them up or they used some stuff they learned uh, and but they don't see other you know like yeah. i see that sometimes the same exercise is different or the same uh, different exercise for the same thing and i see how they connect it but sometimes they like slightly different where they um, um work they could work together right. as a complementary yeah, yeah they could yeah. complement each yes, other yeah. And this is for me interesting as a student that yes. I see those little things sometimes between uh, different teachers, which they will not see probably because they will not go to each other's workshops. Ah, interesting. Yes. Uh, yes. They maybe know them or probably not because this is like a lot of things is new because, you know, the art is quite new. Yes. And this is for me interesting now that I'm, I'm enjoying being a student at the moment yeah, yeah. because I can really get a lot from different people you know it's so exciting yeah, yeah yeah yes it's interesting when you have a teacher and you think they've kind of they think they've finished forming themselves and they've kind of got their improv philosophies and then they're just yeah you know repeating that rather than taking in new influences and 
synthesizing things from different places and things like that. Um, you mentioned exercises that work for you. Mm-hmm. What, what exercises particularly work for you? What's your favourite exercise or game? Or... Uh, probably, yeah, these are exercises which, which stuck. When, when something stacks with me, then I know that this somehow influenced something. Yeah. That I use them consciously or unconsciously. So there's one exercise which is um, exercise of uh, Keith Johnston. It's for sure in his, in his book. Uh, he teaches like let's say to block or like how to deal with someone blocking you all right yeah yeah. um so it's a very simple exercise you just you just uh one person is blocking the other is not and you have to or two people first have to block each other then then one is blocking the other is not blocking and both are not blocking each other. So you you go through these exercises and you quickly learn that uh, what blocks m- means to you and how to deal with that. In case how to deal with it and also how not to block someone else. So, you know, this some sometimes simple exercises like that are really influential. Mm, there was another one, which is also from Keith Johnston, uh, which I really like is and it comes from that one person is running the scene so says everything what uh, they want and the other has to always agree in, in any matter and after a while you recognize that you as a person resp- responsible for the scene you have such a big power knowing that the other will everything, uh, agree to everything what you mean, what you say. So I experienced that myself and I saw people, people's faces when they experienced this wow, when they started to feel responsible and also happy that the other person will agree what they were asked for. Yeah. And after doing this like second, third time, the scenes are really, really funny. really really you know uh, playful yes so I like this kind of things you know these little things which bring me the joy of finding out how this really works or what it brings to me so yeah sounds great is there a particular improv book that's had a big influence on you that you would recommend listeners to check out Mm, yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are many oh, yes it's, there is few there's few um, for sure uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Mike Napier book Mike Napier yeah yeah uh, the uh, improvise yes. um, I like um, and I think this is a thing which really um, had a big impact on me is um, uh, how to be the greatest improviser? Oh, yes. It has a lot of um, a lot of um, techniques and exercises which are very helpful to understand uh, yes. how, how the scene could work. Yes, that uh, how to be the greatest improviser on earth by Will Hines. Yeah. yeah. Um, Will Hines gave me permission to go home uh, of an evening, and it's strange because. 
um, he said, you know, it's fine if you're in your early 20s and you want to go out drinking after an improv show or an improv rehearsal, mm -hmm. but you don't have to and you can go home. And I'm like, wow, it took reading this in a book to give me permission to go home. <laughs> and I really was really grateful to that. It was a really just sort of practical piece of information. That I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go out or I cannot go out. Both are fine. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, I found out that there are so the books are very different. You know, some have exercises, some have um, general ideas about improv, how to treat it, how to deal with that, mm. what to do when you're stressed, or how to teach it. Um, so I find in every book I read uh, some interesting stuff. You know, like uh, some some improv books are really about acting and going deep into acting and deep into um, emotions, mm. you know, this Stanislavski stuff and these things. Or some are more technical, uh, where you have exercises. Um, Bill Arnett's uh, book is very, very, also very interesting for me. And I see uh, how this could influence also Maydays and John Creamer. And, and it's nice to see uh, them teaching us this stuff and yes. and having the same level of understanding when we when you read the the book yes and then you see teacher who had the teacher <laughs> yes and it's showing you how to use that stuff yes and it's good when it seems that they've really understood the lesson that's been learned because sometimes you can think oh okay you're teaching that because you learnt it from somebody else and you're sort of parroting yeah. the information and you haven't quite got the nuances that maybe the original author brought to it. It's a strange thing. Have you read How to Teach Improvised Comedy Using the Science of Expertise to Develop Masterful Improvisers by Jason Lewis? I haven't. You should read it. It's I very will. good. It's very good. Um, it uses sports analogies and the way in which sport is um, trained. Sport, like sport, sport. Sport, sport, yes. Activity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is not an area I know very much about. Um, I found this really interesting from a teaching point of view. I think I will love it. I have to read it. That's yes. true. Because I find so many things overlapping from sports. Maybe not every sport, but I really find it overlapping with Tai Chi, which I did for uh -huh. 13 years. And oh my God, all idea of martial arts, especially, you know, like if you listen to the Bruce Lee, he was such a present person. He was a philosopher. He studied philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you listen to his, um, uh, to him uh, on this old clips online, it's such an improv idea. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Be like a water. Uh, wait for your partner, wait for the offer. This is an old old movies, in, or even old, old comedies, uh, Chinese comedies, where, you know, people fighting, all this karate kid or whatever you want from 80s, any movie you take. Uh, taking advantage, uh, taking... Um, yeah. yeah, using your opponent's strength against them. That's, uh, I mean. that's Yeah, this is such an improvised idea. Yes, yes. You use only what you get. Uh, every teacher, a martial art teacher in every movie like that yeah, says, yeah. you never start first. <laughs> Why? Because you need to get the offer. Yes. How to react to the... You don't know what is your partner until it will attack you. <laughs> 
You don't yes. know if it's strong or weak. Where is the weak point or where is the strong point? So when you see the fist, maybe the person will run away. Then you don't have to fight. But if the, you see the fist in front of your eyes, then you know how to react. Yeah. And then follow your partner and not use strength against him. Because this is arguing in our, in our world, in improv. If somebody says, I want this, and I say, I don't want this, and I'm bang, 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 and we fight, yeah. we fight as an argument, not fight as a point of view, yeah. which we mentioned. Then it's all about this ugly conflict, which is sometimes in the improv scenes, mm. which brings nothing than arguing and arguing. And if people don't know how to get out of this circle that one person has to give up, then it's just about that. If one person gives up, then we have a winner, and we have a loser, and then we have a relationship. And this is all the movies are about this. There is a bad guy coming to the good guy, beating him up, then the good guy is learning, and then it's opposite. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's a question of why. Yeah. And this is also what I, I uh, remember this really clearly uh, from Patty Stars once on the workshop. We, we did, uh, I can't even remember what the scene was about, but there was this comment uh, coming from Patty. It's because we forget as improvisers very often to say why. If you have why, then it's not about arguing. Then we have to find out what happened and yeah. try to deal with that. And this is, of course, more, more because if we love each other, it's OK. Uh, but if we know why we love each other, how deep can be seen if I tell you I love to be with you, or I love you because you did this to me or this and I support you. If this is then contract and deal, you know, how big, how yeah, big it yeah, is yeah, this yeah. information. Yeah? yeah. If I say I love you because you uh, you support me or I love you because you bought me a car. These are the two different things. Yes. And this why is so important then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why? 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 Exactly. It's a good question to ask and indeed answer. If someone was to step on stage of you, mm-hmm. what could they do to delight you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Good question. Hmm. I think one of the things which for sure I like is to start positively. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and I really don't mind to start negative when I know that we both did this by purpose. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah by something for example because of point of view or whatever but not because i'm in the fear and my fear puts me to the position i start negatively because this brings this conflict we know what is this going about and then it's fixed so because a lot of scenes also starts with negativity and uh, end conflict and as i'm saying I don't mind that because you know, and not everything has to be positive and lovely, and 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 it's no, not all of them have to be. But how wonderful it would be if more were. Yes, exactly. I would love to see more joy-filled improv scenes. Right. I would love to see more joy in the world in general. That's beyond <laughs> my remit. Um, but if I could have, you know, those kind of joy-filled scenes where you just watch people just delighting in each other's company. How wonderful that is to watch. Exactly, and I think I think it was Jules Bernard who said, "We have so much ugly things in the world, yes. and we're doing such a beautiful art. 
why all the time making a conflict and this like you know this um, tense thing yes. we have such opportunity to make something delightful and beautiful yes. and we don't do that yes uh, so it's not about I, I would I would like to to have it like you know proportional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah, the, the yeah. maybe uh, you know like how but I see it. But I don't think it's proportional. Oh no, no. I feel I feel also that this is um, the way it is on more negativity and not always not every team and you yeah. know it's of course good improv has both. Yes. And uh, and then it's just good improv because it's yeah. But there needs to be light as well as dark. And if yeah. you have the happy that will make the sadder things seem sadder if you have sad things will make the happier things seem happy so yes you do need variety but that's my point i'm like yeah. you know let's have some joyful scenes let's you know we're doing something because we love it um it's this amazing thing so you know why not let's be positive everyone uh not you know to the exclusion of anything else but i don't know that's <laughs> more positivity um what would you say was your signature move? What's the go-to thing that you do that saves the day, that brings down the house, that gets everyone saying, classic Monica? In like in improv or like in on the stage? Or... Either. In life. In life. Classic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I meant in improv, but I'm happy to take any... Uh... So in the past, just to give you time to think, you know, we've had things like going and opening a fridge and getting a drink. Um, it can be something big, it can be something small. Is there mm. something that you rely on because you know it works? Uh, for sure, at the very beginning, uh, I really struggled to go into the scene. And uh, so... For sure, for the first minimum two years, I was the one who was on the wing. Yeah. More than doing anything else. Or I was maybe in the first scene. That's very that, much my tactic at the moment. And then I wouldn't go back easily. <laughs> and this for sure changed. Um, I think the moment, the, the real moment was when our group split and we were less people. And I felt then, first of all, more uh, responsible, also encouraged because I know it's less of us. So now we have to take a bit more uh, of time. Yeah. So I would say that this was me and now it's different uh, before and after. I also remember what really has changed me was this first festival, international festival I went in. Um, we went to Barcelona and the amount of energy I got there during the four days. I came back and I just went on stage, you know, it was like a different me coming back. It also was because I was on the workshop, which was about uh, how we are on the stage, how we deal with the... It was not about fear, it was about emceeing, more or less, but we were alone on the stage, you know, presenting someone oh, else. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah, dealing with the fourth wall. This workshop for sure had one of the biggest impacts on me. 
because on that workshop I learned how to look into people's audience eyes with strength, not with the fear. And since then I'm completely different person on the stage which doesn't mean I'm you know like extremely much better but it thing it showed me where is the point how I have to deal with that and it, this is still in process it's not like oh I'm done with that you know yeah. um, uh, or that I'm completely confident and there are situations that I'm completely not but still I know okay but I still know how where is how I can deal with that what helps me to deal with that how I can go over it and do it better next time. And it gets better. So I feel it. It's really, this was really um, impactful uh, workshop. So it helped you be more aware of the audience or to interact with them? Uh, or? Everything. Yeah, everything. Or be aware. Uh, the eye contact is really important. That if you once or second time or third time, you just catch someone's face and you express here I am I'm the one who is you know standing alone on the stage you are in good positions you're sitting in the chair <laughs> looking at me you can laugh at me that's my weak point you know and I have to deal with that and once you say here I am take me as I am and you see that people see you vulnerable it's a nice connection and makes you more uh, strong once you allowed to yourself to to give you, you yourself to them yeah and of course sometimes you know hands are wet and you know you you feel the breathing and heart beating more and still the fear the stage fear comes but this really helped me to take a big big breath and say, yeah, yeah, I am. If you are laughing at me, please come. Sturge is big. You can stand next to me, <laughs> you know, and experience that. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I'm joking now, but it's like, it is not easy to be on the stage. So how great we are as improvisers to be on that stage and prove ourselves and do something which not, a lot, not everyone is... Uh, not that everyone wants to do it even. People, I think people admire us being on the stage and being suffering, but not, you know, suffering from struggling, but not suffering seeing a fear. Yeah. So we have to be confident, but it's a process. And I like the way, because I think uh, when I see myself and but also my friends around me over the years, how confident we became, all, all of us. And it doesn't mean that we are all like, very confident you know some people are but some still working on it but how it has changed since we started to do it such a beautiful thing i really love that fantastic thank you for being a guest on the improv london podcast oh my god thank you for inviting me such a big (laughs) pleasure to be in london and be your guest thank you Stuart. (laughs) thank you bye bye i made this That's improv!